Today we have an interview with one of my heroes. I didn't know Leah Juliet was my hero until we started talking and I learned of the educational message Leah has created about revenge porn, as well as becoming a role model and leader for LGBTQ issues on campus. This is a student who embraces leadership and seeks to speak the truth about society. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and this is WCSU 411 with our guest, WestCon student Leah Juliet. Well, Leah, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate you being here with us. Thanks for having me. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask was uh, did you grow up, when you were young, much younger, were you fantasizing about being the Glamour Magazine Woman of the Year? <laughs> Absolutely not. I didn't know that the award existed. Uh, I've always been someone who's been outspoken ever since, you know, elementary school, mm -hmm. I would even say. Uh, so I always had high hopes for my future, um, but not particularly for any specific title that I was uh, going for. Um, but it's been really wonderful. I'm really grateful for how it's turned out. And what's the official title or award that you uh, got or notice that you got? Sure. It's called Glamour Magazine's College Woman of the Year. Mm -hmm. um, they've been having this contest back for, I believe, about 50 years. Martha Stewart was a winner. Um, so it's been a while. <laughs> but uh, I believe last year they awarded the first transgender winner. And this year I am the first gender nonconforming winner. Um, so the title has evolved and accepted multiple gender minorities as it has expanded. Um, but I'm really pleased to be one of the winners. Mm -hmm. So when they say college woman of the year, that's a little bit of a conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Or a... Um... I don't know. Yeah, they reached out to me um, about a year ago and said, you should really apply for this. Um, and I responded to them and I said, are you sure I identify as non-binary? So would this be applicable to me? And they said, absolutely. Uh, we now consider all gender minorities uh, applicable for this contest. So certainly apply. And I did. That's good for them, too, because they have mod uh, have modified their approach. I don't think they would have done that 25 years ago. Yeah, absolutely not. I'm really grateful. Mm -hmm. um, it certainly welcomed me with open arms. So uh, for any listeners who don't know what it is, can you explain what uh, non-binary is and how you identify Sure. So I uh, was assigned female at birth. I grew up and was raised in a traditional female gender role. Um, but about two years ago, I realized that that is not who I am. I identify as non-binary, which is under the umbrella of transgender. Transgender is anyone whose gender identity doesn't match how they were assigned at birth. And so I was assigned female at birth, but now I identify as non-binary. So I'm essentially transgender, um, but I am gender non conforming, which means that I don't conform to um, the male or female system of how gender is assigned, um, the binary as they call it, man or female, male or female. Um, and I exist outside of that. I believe that my gender is a mix of both and a mix of everything else. Um, and so uh, luckily, I have come out in a time when society is beginning to understand concepts of gender in the way that I identify, um, I believe five states have a third gender marker, gender mm. nonconforming now. Um, so I'm really fortunate to be existing in the time that I am because there's been gender nonconforming people all throughout history um, and they haven't been as privileged as myself. Mm -mm. It makes it... Um... I don't know, even 10 years ago here mm -hmm. at Westcon, it would have been more difficult, I think. People wouldn't have understood or heard about it before you started talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, would have been hostile, some of them, too. Yeah, Westcon's been good and in, in, in bad in some ways as far as um, having being accessible to gender nonconforming people, but there's certainly. Um, quickly becoming more accessible uh, to people like me. Um, I remember meeting with Walter Kramer, who's the dean of students, and talking to him and saying, you know, we need to have more gender nonconforming bathrooms. We need to talk about our housing policies. And he was right there for it and willing to uh, create a more accessible environment on campus for people like me. So while we're not fully there yet, uh, we're certainly getting there. And we have staff who are willing to uh, hear the needs and concerns of students like me. Mm -hmm. How about other students? 
I haven't met, uh, well, actually, I've met a few students who identify as gender nonconforming, but not very many, and not very many who are publicly out. So I can't speak to the exact number. Um, but I know that they exist here on campus, and statistically, they have to exist here on campus. Mm -hmm. It can't be just me. Mm -hmm. um, so when I argue for bathrooms or for housing policies, I'm not arguing for my own benefit. I'm arguing for the students who do go to school here who are perhaps less outspoken and the students who will come who will bound to be mm -hmm. uh, more gender nonconforming students. How do other students treat you though? Mm. Oh, okay. Um, I have been treated fairly well here on campus. Um, I've had certain classes where students will um, laugh at me when I speak out or... Uh, when you talk about yourself? When I talk about the issues. Mm. Yeah. I, I. This is only one class that I can remember, but it was a class where uh, there were some boys in the back, and it was right before the 2016 presidential election, so mm. things were very heated. And I remember they would laugh and talk down to me for talking about how LGBTQ plus issues are important. Um it made me feel really uncomfortable, and I'm fortunate to have never had that really happen again. And now um, in my classes, I speak openly about being non-binary and gender non-conforming. And oftentimes, the students ask me questions, they want to learn more, and they begin to develop uh, the correct language. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very fortunate to have had mostly good experiences here. Um, and for the most part, students have been willing to learn um, based on my identity. So you're really... Still on the cutting edge, I think, uh, in this, right? There's yeah, a... I guess I guess so. Mm -hmm. um, You're a pioneer. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a pioneer. Um, you know, from what I've learned, um, non-binary people and students have been around for years and years. Um, in fact, many indigenous tribes in our country and in other countries uh, accept non-binary and third genders openly and have for many, many years. I just think that now it's becoming more embedded into pop culture hmm. and so um, it's becoming more accepted to be like me um, and I'm happy to uh, use my voice to kind of speak out against what I see as injustices but um, I always encourage others to do it as well because while I certainly have a platform now um, I don't want to use my platform to take from the voices of others just help to elevate them um, so I wouldn't call myself a pioneer, but I'm certainly doing the best that I can mm -hmm. to give others a voice while giving myself a voice. And you mentioned that you have been outspoken and willing to speak, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, since as a, even as a youngster and, um, and have developed that, I guess. So how did that, uh, is that just a natural thing that you were willing to talk about? Kind Your of. Ideas. Yeah, I've been raised as a performer. Hmm. Um, so I've been singing and acting since I was in early elementary school. Hmm. My first uh, time singing in front of a crowd was in first grade. Um, so I'm, I'm not a stranger to being heard in mm -hmm. that way. Um, the first time I really wrote and spoke about my opinions was in fifth grade when I wrote an essay uh, called This I Believe, and it was all about talking about what you believed. And I got such a positive reaction from it that it was the first time I realized that having my opinions being heard is something that I enjoy. Um, but I understand that there's a lot of privilege that comes from being heard and understood by your peers. Um, and so uh, I've kind of grown and developed with uh, figuring out what I believe in and how I can convey that to others and what's important to me. And um, I'm very fortunate to have oftentimes people who listen um, because I know so many people don't, unfortunately. So when you say you're privileged to uh, be heard, um, are you talking about uh, other uh, classes or other um parts of our community who aren't who are less likely to be heard because of their situation in life yeah. or yeah, I mean, I, I understand that I'm a marginalized person being mm -hmm. queer and being non-binary, um, being raised female even. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I'm white. I come from um, 
background where I haven't been, I haven't struggled with poverty um, or racial inequality. And so I do have a huge privilege um, for being able to have an education here at WestCon, being able to have a platform to speak and not being afraid, um, not never feeling truly threatened. Um, so while I am marginalized, I do acknowledge that parts of my identity have been extremely privileged and that someone in my circumstances who may be a person of color or who may come from an impoverished background uh, wouldn't have the same opportunities as me. And so uh, parts of my identity have kind of shaped me to be able to be outspoken, um, while certainly some of my experiences also have molded me to, you know, be on the path that I am. Mm -hmm. It still must be, even though you have some privileges, uh, must have uh, been and sometimes I'm sure still is difficult. I was thinking about myself. I'm a white. I'm white. <laughs> I uh, identify with the gender I was born with. Sure. So I'm on the top of the heap, a white male in the United yeah. States, right? Yeah. So I don't, and I'm not in, don't come from poverty. So I um, have everything going for me and I didn't... Um, you know, everybody, um, as a teenager, it's a tough time and yeah, all that. But uh, as it worked out, as I said, I'm on the top. So it doesn't um, – I have advantages that other people don't have. So it yeah. must have been difficult. You must have had not struggles but um, things you had to confront. Yeah, absolutely. I have – I – I think that confronting your own personal privilege can be uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but it's super important and it's a really big learning experience. And I won't say that I'm perfect. I do sometimes say things or do things that I realize are problematic and I'll call myself out for it or be called out by someone else and just hope to learn and, and grow from it. I'm, you know, not perfect in any way. Um, but like you said, um, a lot of people often tell me, kind of question the idea of privilege and say, well, maybe I'm a white male, but I was born in poverty, and so I've had struggles, and I've climbed my way out, and you can't judge how I am. And to that I say, well, think about it as if you were a person of color in your exact same circumstances. Chances are you would have had it even worse, and that's the structure of privilege. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I've learned here at WestCon and through talking with people who have been raised differently than me, and I think it's a really important uh, power dynamic to understand, especially during this political climate. When you uh, – the thing that you were recognized for from Glamour magazine was um, something that happened when you were a teenager and yeah. that you have pursued since then, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got recognized by Glamour um, for being the executive director and founder of the March Against Revenge Porn. Mm -hmm. And that's an organization that I started, uh, one of the first of its kind, founded by a queer victim of cybersexual violence for other marginalized victims of cybersexual violence. Um, so revenge porn is the non-consensual distribution of sexual images in media uh, for the intent of humiliating a victim. So when I was 14 years old, I was asked to send nude pictures of myself to a boy who I was casually talking to at the time. And he asked me for these nude pictures for over the course of a year. Mm. In fact, I still have Facebook messages that I could pull up to show that he asked me multiple times for these pictures and pressured me into sending them. And eventually, when I was around 15, I did send the pictures. And... Um, I don't know what I did to upset him. Um, sometimes I think maybe I was coming out as being queer and that maybe upset him or just moving on with my life and not wanting to be with him anymore. But he ended up sending the pictures to everyone in my high school and uh, everyone in the community, essentially. And then he ended up posting the pictures on a website called Anon IB. And Anon IB is the world's largest non uh, world's largest anonymous image board where people can upload and strategically uh, use photos to humiliate people. So my photos, four pictures of me, were posted on this website with my name and my town, um, and it ruined me. You know, I was 15, 16 years old, finding out about this, and uh, fell into a deep pit of depression, despair, shame. Um, didn't tell anyone mm. except one friend of mine who also still goes to Westcon now. So we mm. maintain a really good friendship. 
Um, and I didn't tell anyone. I was suicidal. I self-harmed. I just wanted to die, essentially. And it wasn't until my freshman year here at WestCon uh, when I was in my dorm room in Centennial Hall and opened up my computer and saw the face, the mugshot of the boy who had posted nude photos of me on the internet staring back at me because he was on the run for uh, sexually assaulting a minor. And that's when it clicked in my head that cyber violence can lead to actual physical violence if the person who perpetuates it isn't held accountable. Mm -hmm. So I made it my mission to speak out against crimes like what had happened to me. And I started telling my story, and eventually people started to hear it. And I realized that I wanted to do something more tangible. So I founded the March Against Revenge Porn. Um, and the idea of the organization was that what I learned here in my po uh, political science studies at WestCon is that um, no civil rights movement in the history of the United States has ever happened without something physical to cement it into history. Hmm. So like uh, civil rights marches from Selma to Montgomery, for instance. And so I thought that uh, it would be so important for this new civil rights issue of revenge porn um, to be solidified through a march. So I held a march across the Brooklyn Bridge on April 1st of 2017, I believe. Um, and since then, I've held marches in Boston and Pittsburgh. And we have marches coming up in Orlando and at the University of Hawaii. And I've been asked to hold marches across the country and across the world, actually. So uh, it's only me organizing this along with people in the cities who ask me to come. So it's hard, especially balancing my studies and the other advocacy that I do. But my goal is to go to different major cities across the United States to raise awareness for the fact that there's disproportionate legislation in every state and um, to march until we have legislation federally on the books. And the legislation, disproportionate legislation doesn't ban it or doesn't punish that or doesn't yeah. acknowledge it? Yeah. So there's only 40 states that have banned, that have criminalized revenge porn in the District of Columbia. Um, and so there's 10 states that have nothing. Um, Connecticut does have legislation, but it's very sparing. So I've actually gone to the Connecticut General Assembly and presented my ideas for legislation changes to make it more intersectional, uh, to cr uh, count it as a domestic violence-related re offense, a hate crime, a human trafficking-related offense. Um, and so, like, in Connecticut, it's considered a misdemeanor, while I believe in Minnesota it's considered a felony and the way that it's punished is different. So you could be victimized in Connecticut and victimized in Minnesota the same ways, but your perpetrator will have different um, consequences. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that that's fair. Um, so I want there to be federal legislation on the books. Um, that's actually what I'm working on for my senior thesis is drafting federal legislation and what would that look like. Um, so it's it's incredibly important. And I'm very fortunate that every time we do a march in a city, it raises awareness in the area. And we've been picked up on news networks like CNN and BBC. And from doing that, we raise awareness. And um, actually, after we did the first march in New York City, the office of Mayor Bill de Blasio contacted me. And they ended up writing legislation in New York City to ban it in New York City. So it does have actual tangible uh, results marching. Um, even, you know, just taking the streets can do something. You must feel good about that. Um, I do. It's hard because doing advocacy of this kind does face cause me to face the trauma that I have uh, head on. So it can be hard. And I, I'm in therapy and I'm dealing with what I've experienced. But for me, advocacy is healing and helping others is healing the trauma that I couldn't help myself mm -hmm. when I was a younger. So I do feel good about that, um, even on the days when I don't want to get out of bed and, and face what I'm working on. Yeah. And do you have friends and family who are supportive, too? Yeah. Um, the first time I told my parents about what had happened to me, I was outside of the cafeteria on West Side uh, on the phone with them. So WestCon's also been very much a part of my uh, advocacy. Um, and they were upset at first. They were angry at first, but they came around and they've been my biggest supporters and they've been incredibly proud of me. And when I marched from one side of the Brooklyn Bridge to the other side, they were right there with me with instruments and holding signs and cheering. And so uh, it was a really a full circle moment. Um, and they're a big part of what I do. That's great. And you, 
that's not your only political um, – that's not the only political thing that you concentrate on, right? You're, right. <laughs> you spread yourself pretty thin on uh, a lot of different uh, things. I do. I um – like I said, I'm a, I'm a political organizer, so I organize marches for revenge porn, but then I also um, do a lot of organizing around LGBTQ plus issues and around general political issues. Um, so right now um, I'm working on um, – I, I just actually finished uh, the LGBTQ town hall, which I hosted here at Westcon mm-hmm. to discuss major issues uh, that are prevalent in the midterm elections like immigration, housing, and health care and how those issues intersect with LGBTQ plus people. Um, I received a grant from Delta Airlines um, to be able to host this town hall. And so I created an online database that people can read about uh, different issues and how they intersect with LGBTQ plus issues. And uh, we hold we held a town hall here at WestCon, um, which featured 10 different panelists talking about their perspectives on the issues. So um, that's just one example of the LGBTQ plus advocacy that I do. And um I've been an LGBTQ advocate before I even was a revenge porn advocate because I came out around the time when I was 14. And um, I think that advocacy is inherent with my identity. Um, I am proud to be an advocate, but I also kind of have to advocate for myself sometimes. I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a really important thing to consider, I think. So right now... Um, I'm actually wearing a shirt that says trans people are not a disruption because the president of the United States uh, just issued a memo trying to redefine gender and roll back civil rights protections for trans people. So now more than ever, um, advocacy on behalf of trans and non-binary people like myself is really important. And I'm really pleased uh, and energized to be doing the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. The... And you're going today, you're going to Hartford with a, uh, a a political rally with Joe Biden and Chris Murphy and other people, right? Yeah, uh, some of the biggest Democratic figures right now in Connecticut and in the United States are coming to Hartford to uh, rally for the Democratic Party. And I really think that it's important to mention that LGBTQ issues shouldn't be partisan. It shouldn't be a Democrat or Republican Hmm. thing. LGBTQ plus people are human beings and we deserve to be humanized. Um, And then tomorrow I am um, speaking at a rally in New Haven that's going to be a rally against the transgender memo. Um, So there's a lot of advocacy around the state of Connecticut that's happening and it's really important and I'm really pleased to be a part of it. And you're involved in the honors program here. Uh, you are a Hancock uh, leader, student leadership yeah. member. Uh, you're very involved on campus. How do you do all that? Um, you know what? Um, I always advocate for my younger self. So when I was a freshman here at WestCon, I was actually a musical theater major, hmm. and I double majored with political science. And it was the worst year of my life, not because of being a musical theater major, but because um, I was going through a lot of trauma and depression and shame before I told my revenge porn story. And so uh, after I started speaking out about who I am and what I've been through, um, I completely changed my life. I decided to just major in political science. I decided to join the honors program. I decided to go out for Hancock student leaders and become active in my community. And that was all because my freshman year of college here was the worst year of my life mentally. Um, And I wanted to advocate on behalf of my younger self who didn't have a voice. And so I wanted to become as involved as I possibly could to represent my younger self. it's been hard. I mean, I'm graduating early. This is my last semester here at WestCon, and I'm very proud of myself for being able to pull it all together in technically two and a half years because mm. I changed my major. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, I, I just constantly say I do it for your younger self, and um, that's why I advocate. And what are you going to do after you graduate? Um, well, uh, I want to go to law school. So uh, I'll, I'm taking the LSAT in November, and I'll be applying to law schools this coming year. So you've uh, been studying for the LSAT during this uh, your final semester here, too? A bit. <laughs> Not as much <laughs> as I should, honestly. I've been quite busy. But um, 
I'm trying to do that. And uh, then I'm, I'm trying to get a job um, as a political or, or as a legislative correspondent, um, hopefully, for the spring semester. I recently was working over the summer at GLAAD as a youth engagement coordinator. Uh, so I'm really interested in media. But I'm hoping to get involved in politics. I'd love to be the first gender nonconforming United States senator. Mm -hmm. That would be wonderful. Uh, so kind of uh, following the path of those who I admire, trying to emulate what they've done to achieve the goals that I want to achieve mm -hmm. myself. That's very good. I was at a political um, seminar earlier this week, and one of the speakers was saying um, that um, – traditionally identified men and women approach politics differently. Women often start, uh, you know, they're involved in the PTA because they're kids or something. And then they uh, decide, hey, maybe I can do state legislature. Right. And then they move up. And men come out of college and they say, I want to be a state senator. <laughs> so you're um, breaking the barriers in your own mind already. In a way, I mean, I did, I... Uh, during my time here at WestCon, I interned with Congresswoman Elizabeth Esty, mm -hmm. and I also interned with Senator Chris Murphy. So I've gotten my feet wet in the legislative process, and um, I, I, re I truly loved it. I loved picking up the phone every day and talking to constituents and hearing what they thought about how their legislators were doing in Washington, um, and I want to do more. So technically, if I get you know a position at a legislative office, I'll be going from intern to hmm. a staffer and then hopefully to a policymaker myself. Um, and I think it's really important to be a policymaker, to know how hard the interns work um, because as an intern I was unpaid and uh, doing that work was uh, challenging at times. So I think I'll have a very interesting perspective mm. on the work that's being done. Are you hoping to stay here in Connecticut and run for Senate someday? Uh, you know, I'd love to represent the state that I was born in, uh, I, although I do have ties to New York City and I have ties to Washington, D.C. that I want to follow. Mm -hmm. uh, so I may be going, hopefully, after I graduate to D.C. to work. I'd love that. Um, but my family is in Connecticut, so, uh, and you know, my upbringing has been here, so I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to representing my state someday. That would I would be very proud to do that. Mm -hmm. And how did you end up at WestCon? Well, um, I applied to about twelve schools strictly for musical theater, mm. and I got into a lot of the schools, uh, fortunately, but um, they were just so expensive, and my family was wary of me pursuing a degree in musical theater and then coming out with a lot of debt because musical theater is just mm -hmm. unfortunately not a well-paying field. Um, so I auditioned here at WestCon with their brand new musical theater program and their brand new uh, uh, visual and performing arts center, which is just gorgeous. And my best friend and I applied and we were fortunate to get in. And um, we were so excited because it is a gorgeous facility and has some of the top rated instructors and professors in the country here. And I believe we were rated one of the best performing arts schools in the yes. country in the state of Connecticut. So, mm -hmm. um, so I was incredibly proud to be here. Um, and then when I changed my major to political science, I did try to transfer to NYU um, because they have a great political program. But my advisor, Dr. Maines, Dr. Avril Maines mm -hmm. here in the social, social sciences department, uh, encouraged me to do what I can to get involved while I'm here. And actually, Dr. Walter Kramer encouraged me to do the same, uh, that there are a lot of programs here that I had un not explored. And so I decided to do the Hancock Student Leader Program, do the Honors Program, try to get involved by hosting events here myself. And... Um, I've been really, really fortunate. I don't know if I would have had the same experiences if I went to a larger school. Um, I'm incredibly pleased. And the uh, the rate for, for students here in Connecticut is very fair. And so I'm able to pursue higher education without the burden of a serious amount of debt. So I'm really fortunate to have chosen WestCon. And I would recommend it to anyone, whether they're studying nursing or poli-sci or anything. Uh, it's a really great school, and I'm really lucky to have gone here. Mm. And you took advantage of everything that uh, you possibly could. That was great. Yeah, I tried to. I tried mm -hmm. to. I'm leaving with my poli-sci degree and with minors in gender and sexuality studies, conflict resolution, and justice and law. So I've kind of 
dabbled in many different areas here on campus, and I could say that all of the staff is just wonderful, and uh, it's really, uh, it's the school is really designed to um, get you out in, into the workforce um, with having training and experience that is valuable to you. Mm. Well, Leah, have you done great here? Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. It's uh, excellent, and um, uh, good luck on everything that you do in the future. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Before Barbara joins us, I want to remind listeners that not only is WCSU 411 your favorite podcast, but we have the best musical introduction, too. The other Westcom podcasts are good, but their music is not as good and fresh as ours. Nevertheless, these other podcasts are worth listening to. And Gavin Grow is an example. It's hosted by Mary Beth Griffin, a director in Residence Life, and she brings in campus experts to talk about what students, especially first years, can expect on campus. She's interviewed a ton of people, and she's already scheduled a lot more for next semester. So check out Gavin Grow for a pretty good understanding of what to expect as a student. And now for our second free advertisement. As regular listeners know, WCSU 411 also comes to you from Western Connecticut State University, which offers a high-quality, affordable education. If you have questions about enrolling at WestCon, send an email to admissions at wcsu.edu. Now, recorded live in the basement of Whitehall, here's co-host Barbara Viegas. Well... Maybe I should like plug my events then here. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so intercultural dinner December fifth, eleven thirty to one thirty, and it's basically like we're trying to reach out to all the clubs on campus, see if anyone anyone that wants to participate can participate. It's basically just like a quick like two hour thing where we just give away free food basically, um, and it's like we wanted to get like different clubs involved so they can have their culture represented because um, we all like we have some. Um, cultural diversity in our in our group but not, not like enough you know to like make like a real cultural dinner so we invited like msa msa um, the muslim student association is um participating with us um we're going to extend an invitation to like bsu acsa um gsa like pretty much anything any intercultural club or any club in general even if you're not intercultural and you want to like have as an individual want to have your culture represented at our dinner like it's gonna be pretty cool it's not a dinner it's a potluck Mm -hmm. um because during the afternoon but it's actually really cool because we got a lot of giveaways and stuff like we're giving away a gift card um we have stress balls that are shaped like uh globes and we have lollipops that are shaped like globes (laughs) um or like look like globes i guess you could say and it's so cute like everything is so cute i got um like napkins with flags and like little table decorations with flags and all that stuff so should be very well de- decorated. <laughs> That's all the stuff I never think about when I plan an event, like uh, the cute stuff. Yep, it was. It's the funnest stuff. You go to you go to uh, what is it called? Oriental Trading, and they oh, have yeah. everything. <laughs> it's the best, the best place ever. That's right. Um, but yeah, uh, that's our event for that. And then we also have. Give me the day and time again. Um, it is December fifth, eleven thirty to. 1.30 in the Danbury room, right in Midtown oh, yeah. Student Center. I'm going to bring peanut butter cups to okay, represent you sign my up. culture. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it'd be awesome. I mean, your faculty could do it, too. Like, just bring your—I'm probably going to—yeah, we could—we're just—anyone that wants to come, just sign up on the link that I'll send out if you're interested. Again, mm-hmm. VA 3 <laughs> mm-hmm. um, And I'll send you the link. I'm going to—we're going to make a flyer soon. It's kind of like a month away. We have two events before that, so— it's kind of like a, a, a ways away, even though it's only like a few weeks away. Yeah, it's not that far. Away. It's two weeks away, right? Yeah, two or three. Um, I know that we also have our training event on the 26th. Um, it's the Connecticut Students for a Dream training. It's Liberating Campus something it's called. Ugh, I should probably know. <laughs> it's my event. Um, mm-hmm. Liberating the Campus Climate, that's what it's called. It's basically um, a training session for uh, WestCon students and graduates. Um and originally, it's geared towards faculty, uh, but they kind of are adapting it to students. It's basically how to communicate and how to be aware of undocumented people in your environment, like um, in your like work environment, classroom environment, whatever environment you're in. And at the end of it, it's a three-hour course. Um, seems like a lot, but it's really not. Mm. Um, you get a certificate of completion, so you can put it on your resume that you've completed a course in 
undocumented people's awareness or something like that. They'll give you the right name for it mm-hmm. on the day. Um, but it's really cool because it like liber- it's literally liberating the campus climate, like getting you know, especially with this midterm election that just happened and everything. It's important to you know just be yeah. aware and you know. Mm-hmm. So that's happening on the twenty sixth from four forty five to seven forty five, and I also have a link to sign up for that too. Um, you can try to show up on the day. We might have slots open. We might not. Um, but I would encourage you to show up anyway. We can always fit you in, I'm sure. Like yeah. they, they, they did a, a max of 50 people because it's usually easier to coordinate with a smaller group and like have participation and everything. But I'm sure if you show up on the day, like we'll, we're not going to say no to you, I think. you know, yeah. <laughs> Unless like for some reason like 100 people show up, which I don't think they will. <laughs> but um, So it's November 26th. November 26th, mm-hmm. uh, two Mondays from now. Mm-hmm. And so the Monday back from Thanksgiving basically. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really fun event. And then on December 1st, uh, we have the Benjamin Teixeira Jagiyad event, uh, Spirituality With or Without Religion. It's on the Saturday, um, starting at 5 p.m. And basically the same thing that I've talked about before. Um, it's in co-sponsorship with the Office of Intercultural Affairs. Um, and it's basically like this guy came from Brazil. Um, he's... He, if yeah so basically spirituality with without religion you can come if you're an atheist you can come if you're a, cat, a devout catholic you can come if you don't know what you are mm-hmm. um and he'll just talk to you about how like basically like anti-prejudice just being a good person in general and how to go about that how to like evaluate yourself as a person try to figure out your own prejudice prejudices or <laughs> prejudice i don't know <laughs> <laughs> not that one but you know what i mean yep. um just like a really cool it's i'm honestly really excited uh for this, these next few weeks because West Come Without Borders is a really new club. We, I just started it last semester and we've the group that we've created is awesome. Like the group that we have, they're so great. Um, they're coming up with all these ideas for events and everything and we're somehow managing to put them on. So I really want to do like more collaborations like with MSA, they're participating in our cultural um, event day um, and they also have some people that are doing the training with us too and it's just good to like create mm-hmm. relationships, you know, like especially as a new club, um, if anyone out there like has like a new club or a club that's struggling with, uh, you know, recruitment or anything, just joining up with other clubs is just so important, you know. Um, MSA is just a huge, like they've been around, you know, they, they, they're kind of like veterans, I guess, to, to everything. Like they know how to, they have they've built relationships, they have like a pretty good foundation and they're helping us a bunch with like all these things. Um, Anusha Atik is the president and she's part of West Com Without Borders. So, She's just helping us out, you know, like um, it's good because I have I have, uh, you know, uh, experience with other clubs, too. But it's just it's just nice to have support from other groups and like collaborations and stuff. That's how you get, you know, it's not just like your Westcom Without Borders, your your people that follow you. It's MSA's people and then BSU's people, whoever, like whoever you want to collaborate with. Network. Exactly. You get the whole university involved, which is yep. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was just the three plugs for our events. <laughs> hey, what's um, that guy's name again? The Brazilian guy? Benjamin Teixeira de Aguiar. Mm. Benjamin Teixeira de Aguiar. <laughs> for the English version. Pete and I say Ben Texera. Texera? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah. And I've sent an email out um, to the majority of faculty. I really want everyone to just. Uh, recommend, not even recommend students, but recommend to students uh, the training event because it's such a good resume builder and it's just such a good thing to do right now um, given, you know, the climate and everything. Mm -hmm. So I've sent out an email and if anyone wants the email forwarded to them or anything, they know students that, you know, will be interested in it, just give me an email, um, send me an email, viegas, V-I-E-G-A-S-003 and I'll send you the email. You can just come to the event. It's really simple. And if it goes well, we're going to have more, you know, like we're going to have more throughout the year, mm-hmm. maybe one per semester, kind of like the mental health training um, that happens every so often. And did any faculty respond to you yet? Um, I know that, I mean, I know that Daryl is going to pass on the information because I work for him. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no, they didn't email me back. But I'm guessing they're just going to forward. You're going to have to knock on doors. I'm guessing they're just going to forward things like, you know, like they just 
Because it, it wasn't really an email where it required a response. It just like, oh, pass on the information. Oh, actually, no, Jessica Lynn. She she's oh, yeah. a saint. Mm-hmm. I love that girl. She um, sent it to the honors program and said that it counted as an honors activity. Yeah. So that brought a lot of people to come too. That's cool. Um, it's really nice. She's honestly so cool. Um, and so yeah, it'll count as an honors activity if you're part of the honors program. Uh, and you need like I think five activities or three or something to graduate with the honors degree mm-hmm. or honors with honors. So that'll count as one. Right. Oh, you already have all your honors stuff though, right? Yeah, I'm all set. Um, yeah. So also this week is the SGA elections for senators. Oh. Um. So you probably got an email in your. In your email. (laughs) I got an email saying, hey, vote for senators. Um, There's actually only six can make it. I think there's like nine or something. Mm. So it's really important to vote for who you know or who you know will do a good job or anything. They have little blurbs and stuff about who they are. What That isn't how people vote, right? You ran last year and came in third out of four. And um, uh, you could do the job. You already proved you could do the job, but you got voted out. Yeah. It wasn't based on uh, whether you could do the job or uh, talent or anything like that. It's just just uh, who you know, basically. It's, yeah. it's pretty sad. Um, but honestly, like that, I didn't. My I was struggling with my own stuff last mm-hmm. year because I wasn't able to campaign or anything because of yes. my grandmother's passing and everything. So I didn't really do much. <laughs> so it's important, though. This year, there you didn't even get the sympathy vote. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. God. Um. Okay, so, <laughs> um, yeah, make sure to vote for that. I got in, though. Vote for the person you know. Yeah. Um, also, the SGA is doing the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Friday, November 16th, what, 11, wait, yeah, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. It's in the Midtown Student Center Colonial Corner, and it's just a fun night of dancing and fun with your friends. Is that disco night? Or not? Was that last week? No, that's not Disco Night. It's WXCI is the DJ. Oh, okay. And there's free pizza. Do you know what disco is? Disco Night? Yeah. Or disco in general? Disco in general. I know what disco is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Would you go to something that was Disco Night? Yeah, probably. Oh. It's a cool thing to sign up for. Exactly. This says this. I think it is Disco Night. For the spot? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't see it on the flyer, but I guess that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another thing. Um, There's going to be a, actually on the 19th, Monday, I'm actually going to be the moderator for a town hall hosted by the SGA. Um, I believe it's about mental health. I was just invited a little while ago, so I just have to... So you haven't had time to prepare. Why did they invite you? (laughs) To, <laughs> because to I was the vice president of student relations and I work for the intercultural affairs office. So, <laughs> wow. Because I'm qualified. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bonafides. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not gonna find the email. I, it's just ridiculous how many emails I get at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna find the email, but they didn't put out a flyer for it yet, which is kind of. Yeah, they should. Um, let me just make sure that they didn't because. There's also a, 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 a seminar called Bird Mortality from Collisions with Glass, which is a big issue. It's um, on Friday the 16th at 3.30. After, and there's a 3 p.m. reception in uh, room 125 of the science building. So if you're worried about birds flying in at windows, you should go to that. You know, my professor actually used that, used that as an example recently. A JLA professor? No, communications. Oh. They were saying, like, I guess marketing or something. I, I'm, it's not a marketing class. It's just effect. No, it's not effective listening. It's um, I don't, communication ethics. Hmm. And he said, like, oh, like, is it ethical if, like, like eagles were, like, flying into the air? What is it called? The, Gener- wind generators. The wind. Yeah, Ele- the propeller things. Mm-hmm. 
And then, like, how do you, I don't know. It's just a whole thing. I wasn't really paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) You should go to the seminar then, it sounds like. Yeah, I guess so. You know what else happens on the 16th? Hmm. It's the last day to to withdraw from a fall 18 course. Thank you for mentioning it, that. Yeah, without academic penalty. Hmm. You don't get any money back, but you don't get dinged on your grades. Exactly. And it's not good to have withdrawals on your transcript. Do you know that from experience? Yes, Mm. because, of course, um, when I was in high school, I took in in a college calculus class for some reason when I'm not good at math, and I got, like, a C on it, and I I didn't know that it was going to transfer automatically. I thought I had, like, a choice, and and then I got here, and my GPA was already, like, terrible because I had a C and I was like what the hell like I I tried getting it off and they're like no you have to withdraw from it it has to be a W and I was like why like it was high school and I don't want it on my transcript for college like if I transferred to like anywhere else in the country or anywhere else pretty much in the state probably it's except for like West Con Eastern or whatever they wouldn't have even taken that grade so like I don't want it and then they just made me withdraw from it and it was a huge thing and it's just annoying we're back to ragging on West Con (laughs) but I don't know whatever so have you since taken calculus as a uh, um, in your college career? No, I, I took. Ugh, what's the other one? Actually, I meant it. Trigonometry. Again. No, I took that in, in middle school. No, high school. It's the freshman year of high school. Trigonometry. Really? Geometry. God, I can't. I wouldn't get a C in calculus. I'll tell you that. What would you get? F, <laughs> and that would be with showing up for every class. Yeah, calculus sucks. It. Like I, I don't, I just don't like math. But I'm sure there's plenty of math majors out there. I, what is it? I took statistics. That's what I took. That's hard to. <laughs> um, I took statistics. Yeah. Um, I figured out. Really, like, look at what professor you have. Go on ratemyprofessor.com or whatever, and look at the professors because I took this professor. This man was giving us, like, advanced statistics problems and stuff when it's literally just a requirement for any any major. And I'd go to the math lab, like, every single day, and they'd be like, why is he teaching you this? This is advanced <laughs> statistics. I was like, I don't know, but I don't want to do it. So, like, I mean, I got I got an A, but actually Ooh. maybe I got a B. I don't know. Something like that, but I don't really care. It was just so freaking frustrating because professors think that – honestly, I'm sorry, but, like, professors think that their class is, like – the best ever and they and everything revolves around them mm-hmm. and like you don't have other classes you don't have other a life anything they just like oh you're in statistics it means that you want to be a statistics person like you want to be a some computer person i don't know and i'm like no dude like i want to be a lawyer i don't need to know statistics well actually yeah, that's a lie i mm. totally do because mm. i have to do research and stuff yes. but i don't have to know advanced statistics when it's just a requirement like a it's totally a general sus. education Yes, well, so sus. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, maybe you should get, come have me come back as like a grad and like just when I when I don't have a you know, what is it called? A horse in the race. Hmm. Oh, I don't have a uh, yeah a dog in this fight. Dog in the fight. That's what it is. Horse in the race. A dog in the fight anymore, and I can just come back and like <laughs> everyone. Oh, <laughs> 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 ha! Just kidding. Actually, we're promoting Westcon in this podcast. Well, so. you need a valid student opinion in us. <laughs> That's no, true. I just yeah though no, no Westcon has its ups and downs, but I'm I'd be doing a disservice if, to the student body if I didn't mention the downs. Yeah. Because there's plenty of ups, you know. You la- mm-hmm. listen to the last podcast. <laughs> it's like overall, you yeah. Love overall, it here. overall, it's great. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's it's really great. But it, everyone is always going to complain about something, and mm-hmm. me included. <laughs> is that professor still teaching here? I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I have all the deets on all the. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's good. We're good with that. You don't have to be uh, Pollyannish about it. We tell what the real truth is. That's the whole point, you know, get mm-hmm. the student perspective. I mean, I'm only one student, but I'm sure other students feel similar mm-hmm. in a similar way. Yeah, and none of them are uh, not none of them. Many of them are not honor students getting almost straight A's. Yeah. <laughs> right? Still this semester. Yeah, I just feel awkward talking about my credentials. <laughs> like what really? I hmm. I don't know. I don't like bragging about things. I feel like the whole the whole college experience is just bragging about what you do. I just feel awkward. That's why we're going to work on your resume in our final podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. two beeps, sir. Beep, beep. Um, no, I actually just talked to a freshman class this morning at 9.30. You did? Um, yeah, they, like, invited me as, like, a JLA honor student to come in and talk to freshmen about, you know, JLA and 
How's that go? program and stuff and the commuter students. It went really well. I mean, I just again, it's just awkward bragging about everything. They're just like, oh, what have you done? I'm like, ugh, the list. <laughs> like, just go through everything. And then, and then they're astounded, right? Yeah, and they're like, wow, this is so cool. Like, how do we get involved? Like, one one was like, how did you do that? Like, how did you, like, time manage? And I was like, I don't know, dude. Like, I just <laughs> figured it out. Mm-hmm. I encouraged all of them to, to do the honors program and, and take more classes because you can easily graduate early in the honors program and not pay a single cent more. You know, they let you take up to 21 credits and just pay the same for tuition. If they're first-year students, they're already either in the honors program or not, right? Yeah. They, uh, yeah they but you can apply there. at any you time. Hmm. Um, you, there's an associate's program or hmm. the full program. I, I joined the full program. My, I you think it was my. I got the associate's program. I did the full program uh, my second semester of freshman year or the first semester of sophomore year. Hmm. And they accepted it and everything and all that. So. You mean you start, you joined it when you were in your freshman year? You weren't accepted as a student here into the honors program? No, I didn't apply for it. Oh. Like you have to, um, I think you have to apply for it. I thought you did that when you um, apply for WestCon. You also apply to the West uh, Honors Program. I have no idea. I just know that I. I didn't. You're just. You think you're probably in because of my C in calculus, maybe. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was my second semester of freshman year because huh. I started off. I think your GPA should be a three point five. I think so. Yeah. Are you sure you're in the Honors Program? Yes, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't left it since (laughs) but yeah it's pretty easy to get really good grades and I was telling them like all the classes all the classes count as humanities credits so you don't have to take like the stupid humanities classes that you're not interested in you know Mm -hmm. you can just pick honors classes that you're interested in uh, related to your major and get credit for humanities so like Mm. there's um there's so many cool classes that you can take that are they're not like they're just fun like mm-hmm. i took psychology of marriage and family psychology of sex um uh what is it stop motion animation like <laughs> classes that are fun and like that you just like learn things like that you wouldn't really learn in like history 101 like <laughs> 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 not knocking anyone that likes history because i do too but i i kind of lean towards like ancient world history instead of like u.s history i don't really care about u.s history <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can. That's uh, plenty to learn from ancient world history too. I I remember I used to love that in high school, and then everything just started gearing towards America, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, one thing you said it's not easy to get grades, good grades. You have to work hard at it. Yeah, right? I was telling them actually today that some of the hardest classes that I took were the most gratifying and like mm-hmm. most. Like that, I learned the most in like the easy classes. Like, yeah, sure, you'll get an easy A, and but you'll learn nothing. Like, I literally, it's so easy to take a random class and just get an A in it, and then walk away knowing nothing. Mm-hmm. But when you actually have to work for everything, and like, just it's just so much better. I, I honestly, it sucks. Like, I, I hate when I have like so many things to do, and like I'm freaking out. But like at the end of the day, I'm graduating with actual knowledge in my field that I actually know. You know, like when people talk to me about things related to justice and law, I can actually talk to them about it instead mm-hmm. of just being like, yeah, I went through four years. I didn't really learn anything because everything was easy. That's right. Is this where you're going to kiss up to Casey Jordan again? <laughs> what do you mean? You always talk about how hard she is, but how good she is. Well, and, and her so and Sharma, wonderful. they're both just powerhouse women. I can't like it's so inspirational. and motiv- like, That's like who I want to be, you know, like Dr. Sharma and Casey Jordan. They're just like such such bad is like i'm sorry they're, mm. they're, and their their classes are not easy but again like i i haven't i've learned so much in them like with um research methods i took with sharma i learned how to actually research something and present it and learn about like you know like it was something that i, I could choose a subject that i was passionate about and actually like do an entire project on it and like mm-hmm. research it and get real numbers and facts and everything and it's not it didn't seem interesting at first and then when I could present it in New Orleans and in different, like, conferences and stuff, it was, like, I actually knew what I was talking about and I had, like, a niche, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like I studied this and I know about a lot about this, you know? So it just it feels good when, you've, when you are knowledgeable about a subject other than just, like, you took a class and you learned a little bit about criminal law. Like, They don't listen to the podcast, though. Who? Uh, Sharma and Jordan. No, I don't think so. So you're just kind of wasting your breath. I'm not sucking up. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a fact. They're huh. awesome. Like yeah. I don't. I'm graduating already. Like I don't even need their. <laughs> That's true. You're right. 
And how about your weekend jaunt to um, Miami or Florida where you Tampa. did uh, Tampa? Yeah. It was so much fun. Honestly, um, it was a really good experience. Um, we so learned a lot. Mock trial, mock trial, right? No, moot court. Moot court, yeah. Mock trial is a lesser version of mm. moot court. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. According to law schools, at least. Um, but it's honestly like really, it was really fun. Um, we, I learned a lot there. Um, so this is the first time where we've, that Western has been able to like, well, yeah, compete, I guess, as a class and everything. Um, it was really good. We had four teams. My team, we won We won a round. Another team won a round. Um, basically, uh, we were taught uh, by Professor Miller. He's really, really, really awesome, really great. He taught the moot court. He taught moot court as mostly law. Like, you have to know the law and know how to rebut with the law and the case and everything. And what they were looking for down there was more of, like, the finesse like the, like, like persuasion, which, like in the words of Miller, is is not what you're gonna do in real life. Like it doesn't matter what your opinion is or what you think of the law. Like you have to apply the law mm-hmm. to the current case, and n- that yeah. makes sense. It's just like the, a lot of the students, like w- they did a great job. Um, they had some case law, but it was like they weren't really paying attention to your argument. They were paying attention to how you delivered your argument. Hmm. Um, which it seemed like, you know, I'm not on like the Moot Court Association or anything. Like they're awesome. Um, it was a really great run and everything. It's just that um, Miller said that like next semester, next year, and everything he's gonna work on those aspects that he didn't really think were something that should be worked on. Because all of our students knew the law really good. Like mm-hmm. hands, like off the top of our head, we knew all the cases, all the laws. That's great. Um, which is good, but it's just only part of it. So, how about the guy you were partnered with who? Uh, did he know all about the First Amendment? Um, he, I was so impressed by him. Like, I didn't, like, he came in, like, literally three or four weeks ago and just learned this case and learned all of the argument because, like, my partner dropped out. Mm-hmm. He who must not be named. We don't talk about him. <laughs> literally, it was actually, no, I'm not even going to talk about it. It's fine. Never mind. But um, Ryan Donnelly, he's my partner. And I wish that I could, like, have more time. Um and, like, do Mucor again, you know? Like, because it, it sucks because we did it last semester, but it wasn't a class, and mm. we weren't able to go anywhere because it's only once a year. And now I'm just leaving, you know? So I can't, like, continue, which is something that I really want to do because it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed by this guy. He is a sophomore, and mm. he just came in and rocked it. Like, he, there was one round where he scored, like, three points higher than me. And wow. I've been working on it since June. And I was like, damn, boy, like, you can, like, good for you. He, I was so impressed by him. And... Everyone, he, he, everyone was so impressed by him because he was, like, so good, you know? Like, we all did really good um, scores-wise, um, and it was just really fun, really great. Did Maybe he did better because he was actually editing his argument, you know, in the weeks going up to it, unlike you. Uh, I uh, actually was. So I did... I did better on all the ones. Like, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's not a competition like that. Like, especially huh. when you're a partner, like, you want both of you to do well you know Mm -hmm. we worked together and it was just really cool like I I had low expectations not for him but for our team because I knew how much I was struggling and I knew that he had just started so I was like I don't think we're gonna do well and I just kind of like just dropped it there which is kind of not great to go into it with but we ended up like winning one of the rounds so it was Mm -hmm. great and and it felt good like um to know that we like you know surpassed another team that is good and yeah I just know that that guy will do great things I think because he came in and he was he wasn't even getting at the beginning he didn't know he didn't even know if he was going to get credit for the class he just knew that he wanted to do moot court which wow. is and so he was just doing it like that's kind of what we did last semester we added it on top of our course load like we weren't getting any credit for it we were just doing it for experience so it was cool cuz at first he kind of got that little the little like niche of it and then after he ended up finding out that he did get credit for it hmm. so it was awesome so did you end up practicing on the beach um, so the beach actually ended up being like really far away, but we practiced oh, really? by the pool. <laughs> it was really fun. Honestly, those, uh, I can't stress enough how important it is to like go on these trips with WestCon, like go on, like go with people that you know, or even if you don't know, I didn't really know anyone in that, in the Moot Court really? Association. Like hmm. we, cause our class was kind of divided cause like it's a, like the arguments take a long time. So even though our class was scheduled for like one or two hours, we were usually going over that. So some people would come early, mm-hmm. some people would come in later. So you never really like talked to the other people really. It was just like your, there was like two two um, partnerships during one time and two in the other time. But 
when you go on these trips, like, you get to know people, and, like, it's so fun. Like, I couldn't, I, I left, like, knowing, like, getting to know them so much better, like, getting to know my own partner, mm. like, that, I, I, like, it's, like, different. Like, we were, like, kind of, like, acquaintances, and now we're actually, like, friends, even, mm-hmm. like, even though we should have been, like, closer, you know, because we're partners, but, like, it's nice, and not just him, like, the other girls, too, that were there, um, I, like, had known them from, like, class and stuff, but, like, when you go and, like, you spend, like, even it was, it was, like, a three or four-day period, yeah. but you learn, you, like, get to know them and everything, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just fun, because you're all there for the same reason, like, we were, we're all, we all wanted to be attorneys in that group, um, except for maybe one person, but we all wanted to be there, we all had the same interests, so it was such a fun weekend being able to, like, talk to people mm-hmm. about your interests, because usually... If you're, like, in a class, it's usually one person wants to be a correction officer, one person wants to be an attorney, one person wants to be a cop. It's, like, you never really have, like, a whole group of, like, all people, like, form or, um, not former attorneys, like, people that are trying to be attorneys. I forget the word. Future. Future. <laughs> Duh. Future. <laughs> future attorneys. Um, hopefully. And so it was so fun to just be able to, like, talk to them about, like, things that we're interested in, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it's, like, probably how, like, some, like person that likes math feels like if you're just talking to someone that doesn't like math like it's like you're not gonna you know it's Mm -hmm. just fun to be able to have the conversations about like the court rulings and like the different things that have been going on the different cases that you had to research it's Mm -hmm. like it's just cool it is cool when you get like that group of people that have the same interests as you and Mm -hmm. I, i recommend it so much for students to like travel with their clubs travel with people with like you know classes and everything just to like it's just fun. Like, you get to know people. Yeah. And, like, those people, th- that moot court group, like, the first one for WestCon, like, we're all going to know each other, like, in the future. And we're, we're all going to go on separate paths. Maybe we're all going to be attorneys. Maybe we're all going to – maybe one of them is going to be a judge. Maybe I can, like – I'll have an in with a judge. You know, like, what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's you. It's just good to have connections. And, and you think that, like, right now, like, students, we don't really have anything yet. Like, we don't have any titles or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're all going to grow up to be something someday. That's right. And, like – it's important. Like, you're like, oh, I know you from college. Hey, what's up? Like, let's do business or something. I don't know. And on LinkedIn, right? Yes, on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that right now. Yep, exactly. And as long as the other ones have LinkedIn pages. Yeah. Cool. So that's a great roundup of um, the last week. Yeah. You'll have to have something to talk about next week, too. When is our last podcast? I think it's on December 5th, the week before um, before finals start, finals week. Ooh, we got the 21st and then uh, the 28th and then the 5th. Okay. I'll have to, maybe we can, like, talk because my event is on the 5th. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, um, we can. We can, like, come early or something. Yeah. We'll get that. We'll done. figure that we out. We have yeah. to do it. Yeah, we have to do That'll our last be our final uh, podcast. podcast. <laughs> Pizza talking to somebody else. <laughs> we'll schedule him. All right. Yeah, good idea. All right, I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks, Paul. See you next week. See ya. Yeah. I almost called you, you Pete. Call me Pete. Because you were talking about Pete, and I had Pete on my. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to engineer Pete Puccio and producer Scott Volpe, who make WCSU 411 possible. When you find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, please subscribe so you can keep up with all the news about WestCon. After you subscribe, give us a five-star review and leave a comment. You can also reach us on Twitter at WCSU 411. For Barbara Viegas, this is Paul Steinmetz. See you on the next edition of WCSU 411.